podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Wrap on Radio City talking for the second week on the bounce. It's from a hotel room because Liverpool are on tour and therefore the Anfield Wrap are on tour. I've got John Gibbons, Dan Morgan and Steve Brown with me to talk about the Reds. And I want to start this week's City Talk to talk about the concept of opportunity. Dan, what strikes me is that Liverpool, had all things been equal, they would now have finished their business completely definitively, i.e. Nabil Fakir would be a Liverpool player. So Liverpool had quite clearly had a plan for the summer. They executed that plan and then one thing went wrong with one player. And apart from that, it's all gone as, as expected. You look at other clubs and it looks like there's this weird freeze around the top clubs around Europe. And I think what's happened is that Liverpool would love to be sitting smoke right now, having done all of the business, got it all done. But the opportunity now, they're in the opportunity market in the same way all these other sides are as well. And it's quite strange, isn't it? Because Liverpool are going to say the business is done. And it may well be. It may well prove that that's the case. But we know they wanted one more. And now Liverpool are finding themselves just sitting there going, well, what are we going to do? They're now having to be like everyone else. Whereas everywhere else this summer, they haven't been like everyone else. They've had their plan. That's right. But I think Liverpool have put themselves in a position where they are of the most uh, unified in terms of what they have done. And I think the position of strength they are in now means that if Fakir or someone else doesn't happen, and I think we are open to him possibly happening, if he doesn't happen, then we can say that possibly come the end of this short and transfer window, we still stole a march on everyone around us. And, and I think what what that gives us then is is the time of not only not only getting our business done, but also getting these players on the pitch, which we've done. And if you, think you, you look around at the, the teams around us, they've only played four or five pre-season friendlies. We're moving up to seven or eight. And it doesn't matter what you say, 180 minutes more in your legs at this stage of the season gives you that opportunity. And, I and think, haven't trained together. Exactly. And I think that's what we're, we're looking at. I think we've earmarked these, these first four games as something that gets us off the ground and moving quickly. And I think... To be honest, Neil, I think the margins are that small, you know, and I think that's where someone like Alisson comes into it. That if you're Jürgen Klopp and you're sitting there and you think, well, if I'm throwing Loris Carius in goal at Sellers Park on a Monday night at the second game of the season, there's potential there that that costs me two or three points just because of that atmosphere, that environment, and then fans getting on his back. Now, dropping two points at Crystal Palace in the grand scheme of things might mean the difference between you winning and losing a league title in May. And that sounds... That sounds extreme, but these are the fine margins we're dealing with now. It, what, what I'm looking at here, Steve, is all the way through, we've talked all the way through since FSG have come in because of stuff like Moneyball and because of all that background that they had. We've talked a lot about the idea of Liverpool, Liverpool finding some way to be cleverer than the opposition. And I think that one of the things that actually held us back as, as a club so far has been trying to chase that cleverness. But this is now a transfer window where looking at where Manchester City are, having lost out on Jorginho, looking at where Manchester United are, seeing at odds with themselves, looking at the fact that Spurs haven't done anything, looking at the fact that Chelsea brought a manager in as late as he did. There's maybe only Arsenal you're able to look at and feel as though, and listen, they've got a bigger hill to climb than us, but where you're able to feel as though they've been as smart as we've been. And we've just been smart by planning properly and then executing that plan. And we've got one last bit of it to do. I think we need to look at Fakir at the moment, or if Fakir, or whoever it may be, if it is another, that it's a bonus. We went out, we identified the targets, the areas that needed strengthening, um, and we done that as quick as possible. Okay, Allison was probably the last signing, the, probably the one that we wanted to get done first, but ended up being done last. Whether that's a knockback on the fact that we didn't get Fakir, so the money was there to do Allison straight away, and Fakir is going to be this year's Van Dyke, where it can be 
we can go back in January or we can go back next summer. Or go for someone else. Or go for someone else. There are other options, whereas Van Dijk last year was the only option. Um, but as you said, we've stolen the march from the looks of things. on other, like The amount of teams that still need to do business. Spurs haven't bought a player. Chelsea have bought one. Is that right? Um, United have bought one or two. A young right back and a centre midfielder. The difference with that, if you compare every other team's business to our business, we've kind of, it balls out. I think that's the way you're looking at it. It really is. It's a balls out strategy so far where we're not looking on having to sell players. We're now, we've spent the money and we can sell players at our leisure. There's no pressure now that we have to get X amount in for the players that are going to be going out. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, a few teams now looking at our model from last year as a, as a plan to go forward, whereby you put contingencies in place to sign players in either January or the season after. Just because of the fact of what's happened this, this pre-season and this close season, where you go, well, look, we might have to bide our time here a little bit and we roll the dice until January, but we're confident we can get this player. I wouldn't be surprised if that's happening. John, it's, you've been saying all the way through, we've been doing these tours and doing shows, and one of the things you've been saying is is that what you can't get hung up on because it doesn't work anywhere is the idea of, of that to do astonishing things. You've got to have 22, 23 world-class players. As an example, Fabian Delph plays much of last season for Manchester City. They get 100 points. Uh, and, you know, he plays not just not even in his preferred position. He plays left-back for Manchester City and they get 100 points. You do get the impression, as Dan says there, that Liverpool, because of Klopp, Partially, they are in a position where they're quite happy to sort of say, no, we'll solve problems as we go. But in the meantime, we want the lads we want. We're not prepared to compromise on that bit. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it needs putting out because I think, look on the Anfield Vap on our subscription podcast, you know, we speak to a lot of different fans and the Man City fans we spoke to and we speak to two or three different ones. They spent the whole of last season telling us they needed another forward. So we were like, oh, you look great. And they're like, yeah, but we're just worried because we're one short up top. And then they kept scoring six or seven. And you think, well, really? But, well, you know, they were worried about strength and depth all season. And then they did what they did. And so, yeah, maybe they did argue it might cost them in the Champions League or whatever. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, you speak to a fan of, of any club and, and they'll say, oh, you know, they'll always think that there's something not quite right or there's something they need more of or, or we need more strength here or something. No one's sitting there going, you know what, our squad's perfect. And no fan ever has in the, in the history of football. I wouldn't say, so although we're a little bit frustrated that the key one didn't happen and, and I understand that people are scratching their heads a bit that they're not looking for, you know, a, a similar sort of player. If he, if he can't get done, I still think we're going in really, really strong. Like Steve said before, what you'd have identified as our issues earlier in, um, earlier in the summer, what you said, this is what we really need to do. They have done. And I think Dan makes a great point about the doing the business almost ahead of time because it's been it's been great not just signing Kaita this summer, but having him all summer. And the, 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 the benefits of doing it last year for this year is that there's no messing around he's there day one you know he's reporting he's, he's ready he's probably got his house sorted and everything and he's been able to kind of go and he could just hit the ground running I can't wait to see him hit the ground running hopefully we're going to see him tomorrow it's the last, next part on this John as well is the the opportunity costs or the opportunities go both ways we're now in a position where we can stand relatively firm on Danny Ings off the basis of the fact that Crystal Palace haven't been able to box themselves off with another forward Southampton haven't been able to box them off with another forward you can list four or five clubs in the bottom half of the Premier League who would like someone like Danny Ings doesn't have to just be him but we're able to make Danny Ings available to them and Therefore, that sort of that just clarifies everyone's path, everyone's message. We're able to be the clean line, but in order to be the clean line, you've got to pay our money. Yeah, and I think the, the, the standing firm and looked one of the 
things we've been really good at last few years is getting good money for players that we haven't wanted anymore and you know it helps you it does help you doesn't it in terms of not balancing the books it's not it's not quite quite the right way but in terms of you know being able to justify some of your expenditure and I think we're, the the benefit we've got I think is that we're not we're not desperate to kind of get rid of everyone look we've we've probably got one too many goalkeepers now and you know you the forward players, yeah, you know, one or two of them you probably like off the books, but I wouldn't say we're desperate to get rid of Ings, do you know what I mean? I think I think it's more of a case of understanding that it's better for him to go rather than having a situation where we're like, oh, we need to get rid of this fella, you know, we haven't got trouble causes, we haven't got lads who are, you know, on ridiculous wages who aren't playing, you know, our high earners are in the team and on the pitch, and so it's a nice situation to be in, and I think we can, means we can kind of be patient with, with the outs, it means we can be you know and we hold a lot of the cards I guess is what I'm trying to say really and especially I think next week's going to be mad it's going to be it's going to be interesting to, to watch as a as a bit of an outsider because it's because Liverpool are saying they're done and everyone else is going to be scrambling around and I think there's going to be some mad fees paid before Thursday one of those mad fees could well be Shea Ojo and again Dan the managers took the opportunity this week to to say you know he'd like Ojo to be a Liverpool player thinks the lad's got something but he dangles in the air this idea of, but the, you know, if you want to pay the money, there's a fee. So we're happy for him to go on loan. But if you want to pay the money, you can pay the money. It strikes me as a fascinating approach. This that you know Liverpool are able to back the quality almost of their younger players in this sense. Again, back the idea of absolute worst case scenario. Yeah, he'll train with the first team all year. This idea of being able to be a piece. It feels like you know it, it, it's all common sense, and yet you don't see it, you don't see common sense apply anywhere near enough in football where transfers are concerned. And Ojo's fascinating now. No, but I think it's part of a wider thing. If Liverpool are punching the weight again and they're acting like a big club again, so we can turn around to teams and we know, Liverpool knows as much as anyone else, the scarcity in this transfer market and just in terms positionally. You know, you try and go out and get a centre-back now or you try and go out and get a centre-forward. That's why Liverpool are saying we want £20 million for Danny Ings. That's why Liverpool are saying if you want Shea Ojo, you're going to have to pay the money because he's trained with an elite Premier League club who everyone would probably argue were the second-best team in the league last season. So even on the basis of that, that we can say, well, look, yeah, all right, he's gone out on loan. He might not have done very well, but he is a Liverpool football club player. Now, if you're going to take a player from Liverpool, you need to play that premium. And and it's it's refreshing for me, to be honest, that we were no longer... It, it was almost a thoughtless approach in years gone by where we're not, we're not allowing ourselves to to say, well, no, this is what we believe a player's worth. Or, you know, you're buying a player from Liverpool football club we're able to say that we've developed this player to a level where we feel he's worth X amount of money. It all it all stems back to this one one thought approach for me now that the club have got. And I think in terms of in terms of what we're doing with the likes of Ojo, Gruwich, everyone else is that we're saying, well, more than happy more than happy to give you to give you a, a pathway if if you're good enough and if you progress, because this manager will allow that. But at the same time, we're more than happy for you to go and move on. And and Liverpool now will be even be even wiser in that they'll most of the time put a buyback clause in players like that. And, and it's it's just the contingencies now they're putting in place, the the model they've got in place that they're operating is. And I know people hate the business elements of football, but 
it's it, it just smacks a sense on many ways. It is hugely rational. Grewich is another one. Again, Steve, we've, we've talked about this on and off different shows in the last few weeks, but it strikes me as fascinating. You know, Liverpool have made it clear to Lazio, if they want to buy him, it's 25 million. We want to loan him to Cardiff and then we'll keep him for next year and then we'll have a look at him next year and we'll make, we might make another decision, a different decision then if he impresses at Cardiff and if he doesn't, then we'll go from there. But it's this idea of, no, our ideal is that he gets loaned, but if you want to pay him, you'll pay a premium. It's like, as the lad said, that we're acting like a big club again, that it's, he's our player. So if you want him, you're going to pay the premium from. He's not coming from, he's, he's not a player you're buying from Cardiff. Um, he's a player you're buying from Liverpool Football Club. We've bought him in, we paid money from, we developed him, we've sent him out on loan. So the price is there. Same with Ojo, it's, we are the club that have developed him. Why should we be letting clubs pay peanuts for players that we've put time and effort into, especially <coughs> Gruwich and Ojo? Um, it's an interesting point as well going back to what John said there are no troublemakers in the squad if the yeah. window closed tomorrow and no one left I can't see Klopp having an issue with it there's no Mario Balotelli in the squad that needs to go for the sake of the harmony of the squad um, so I, as I said I don't think there's there's no pressure on selling players there's no need to recoup the money the money we spent we had there's no having to balance books there's no money ball approach anymore which as you said, this is also acting like a big club again. How many times have we been over a barrel for a player when, and, and the reason we've been over a barrel is because the team who we're going to buy the player from knows what the player means to us potentially. And I think that's where a lot of, a lot of elite clubs in the league have changed their mentality now, whereby I don't think there's a situation again where Kev De Bruyne goes on loan to Werder Bremen. I think that even someone, you know, who's, if you like down the pecking order, if you look at someone like Gruwich or a Loftus-Cheek at Chelsea, maybe clubs are having the outlook and the approach now of, well, what does he mean to another team? Not what he doesn't mean to us no longer. It's the potential, the, the potential of importance to, a, to an opposing team that he goes to. And I think that's where the value then ramps up. This is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. After the break, we'll be looking forward to Liverpool's friendly against Napoli, talking about this fans day that is being planned against Torino and the tour as a whole. Liverpool have pre-seasoned well, so have we. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> It's the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. In a minute, we're going to talk about this fans' day at Shavas Park next week and how interesting it is. But before then, these are Boston, and this is more than a feeling. Boston, more than a feeling. Uh, this is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson here. Got Steve Brown in a Dublin hotel room. Uh, Dan Morgan and John Gibbons with me. Try not to be jealous, ladies. Uh, we are moving through the idea that Liverpool next week, before we talk about the Napoli game, which we will do after 7 o'clock, uh, the Liverpool have announced a, a fan day uh, at Chavas Park before the Torino game um, next week uh, on Tuesday. It's in Chavas Park from 10am to 5pm. It's a local fan event uh, and it says here on Liverpool's website, it's a jam-packed day of entertainment and activities to get fans geared up for the game. It shows, I think, um, Dan, that Liverpool have, have listened uh, to some extent to, to bits and pieces of what's come out. I mean, that Liverpool may, not, may now try to think that it or state that they planned it before this and maybe they had, but they hadn't been talking about it before. There was people saying after the American tour, why can't you do stuff like this in Liverpool? So either they already had it planned, which is fair enough, or they had to decided to do it retrospectively, which is also fair enough because what it shows is that Liverpool are listening to what supporters are saying. Yeah, I think the 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 first thing with all of this that always strikes me is that sometimes stuff like this just reminds you how hard it is to be Liverpool Football Club on a daily basis because there is literally someone who will take objection to something or there's just no way of pleasing everyone at the same time. And whilst that is, you know, in the main an impossible task. I think that they're really now trying to to 
to break that and to and to get this connection. And I think not just from a from a marketing or business type of, of point of view, but it's I think what Klopp's seeing is and what Klopp holds morally is the value of it in terms of the harmony and the the unity and the togetherness that that can influence results and that can influence whether you know you're successful or not in many ways and he he slowly integrated that throughout the whole club and I think you know when he mentions stuff like this and he, he he uses a lot of words like come together and he calls it the people's game and stuff like that and he calls it a coming together all the time and I think he's seen the bounce that the fans have had offered and, and he's obviously seen the bounce that his own players have had offered and when you when you get that unity, I mean, I'll be honest, I've, I've never seen or, or felt a unity like this before supporting this club. And I always take my barometer of how much now would the team seem to hate Liverpool Football Club. And that's sound with me because all it says to me is that they want what we've got currently. They would love nothing more to have the feeling that we've got going the game. And, and I think the manager buzzes off that. He gets an adrenaline off it. We've seen through the week when he, you know, he turns up at, at, a, at a boss event and he surprises Jamie Webster. And... That, that video goes absolutely viral and, and everyone's looking at the look on Jamie Webster's face and, and, the, and they're saying, well, he's a fan. He's a fan and that's and, and Klopp's love, loving the whole thing as well. And it's it's that unity, it's that breaking down barriers where it's such a hard act and it's such a hard thing to juggle. But this manager somehow is, is doing it on a daily basis, slowly. It strikes me, John, that the, the club's marketed itself this, this summer off the slogan, this means more. And... I think that at times slogans can seem cheap and even that one when it first sort of emerges, you think, you know, there's there's, there's bits and pieces around it and some video stuff. But instead they seem to have decided, um, you know, from what we've seen this summer, that they're going to try and live that value a little bit and that that is a sea change. You know, it is a sea change. That's not to, to you know, to aggressively criticise what's gone before because what's gone before is similar to what other football clubs yeah. have done. It's more this idea that Liverpool have, have committed to this, some sort of top to bottom right the way through the club. And long may that continue, to be quite honest with you. It's, it's, it's what supporters have said they've wanted for some time. They have, yeah. And it's, as, I mean, Dan said in part one, it's, it's difficult sometimes being in Liverpool and, the, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to different approaches and things like that. I know, for example, Rafa Benitez was really keen on the players being very focused during the game. So he didn't want, you know, being bothered by fans or whatever or, or autographs and stuff. He wanted them sort of completely focused because he thought that's what to get the best, best out of them on the pitch. And, you know, really, when we talk about what we want as football fans, the number one thing we want is Liverpool to win. And and there's other other things that, that are great and other things that, that, that they should be doing, but but that's kind of what we want. And so it's finding the balance, really, between one and the players focused and one and the players, you know, relaxed and, and, and able to do the job, but also... How, what, what to do about the disconnect between modern footballers and and supporters, and it is a tricky one. And I think you know, I got a, a bit of gives got to be given both ways, really. And you know, supporters have got to you know be be respectful of of of, of, of footy players and, and be respectful kind of around <laughs> them and stuff like that. And and you know, it's it, you know, I think I think players want to connect. I just don't think they know how sometimes, and I think they feel like you know it's. You know, you, you you can go into a situation where you sign an autograph, and then suddenly there's there's five hundred people. And you're like, well, how do I sign all of them? And then get home, you know. So it's and and I think that's the kind of things that people people worry about. And is the, and the idea is, we well, can't because you can't please everyone, and because you can't sign for everyone, then then how do you kind of pick and choose really? And it, and it, too often it ends up just being, well, they don't do anything, and that is a shame. So if the 
I think basically what I'm saying is that it is difficult, but it's it's worth doing if you can get it right. And I think the club have have decided to do have decided you know what it, they agree that it is worth doing if you can get it right. And 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 they deserve credit for that. And we'll see what happens on Tuesday because you know we all hope that it goes well and we all hope that that, that people enjoy it because a lot of people who were there on Tuesday aren't necessarily the people who get to go all the time. If you if they get it right, it's dead important. I think staying at the if's important. And the reason why the if's important is is it's a risk to do it in the first place. In that they could do it, it could go wrong. And I think that, you know, there's times where, like in everything else in life, you know, people can deserve credit at times for just simply attempting something. And I think it's important to give the credits both if if it gets pulled off, great. But if it doesn't, we can say in advance of it, we can say in advance of it, well, people are having a go. And you get the impression there's people at the club, again, top to bottom, who are thinking, well, how can we have a go? And that's not to say that everything at the club will always be rosy, that everything at the club's always going to be spot on, that Liverpool's always going to be brilliantly run. But the idea of if Liverpool are seen to be having a go, then I think we, we, we as supporters have got to say, yeah, that's good. Yeah, it looks as though... The people in charge of the club now are, are trying to do the right thing by supporters. If supporters are going to ask why can't... There was, uh, there was a conversation that Klopp had after the open training session in Charlotte where he said, we'd love to do this at home, but it's a security issue. It's a big difference doing it in front of 1,500 people in America and an open training session in Melwood where you might have 50,000 showing up. Yeah. Um, so the likes of this with the fan park and then they're saying that they're going to open up the fan park around Anfield early as well and have stuff there that it looks as though everything's moving in the right direction that they are starting to think of the fans with there has been that connection since probably after the Porto game it seemed as though something changed maybe it was the song or whatever it may have, may have been something's clicked somewhere where people have it feels like supporters are being appreciated again where you're not just a customer you're not just a number you're not just a paying Someone that's going to spend... You're not a problem to solve. You're not a problem, exactly. They're now trying to involve everyone. Where I'm, I'm going on Tuesday with my young lad, hopefully, for the first, his first game as a three-and-a-half-year-old. So I can't wait to see this now, see exactly what the build-up is going to be like. That It's going to grab young fans because that's, that's the most important thing, that if you can get people, young kids engaged from that age with... If it's mighty... My son was mad about mighty red when he was one-and-a-half. Mm-hmm. We really well, honestly. That's he just might. That's what got the him. first time anyone's been positive about my two on the Anfield Raps team. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Probably the last as well. But that's what got. That's what grabbed his attention, and it's now moved on. And obviously, we have players that are now grabbing his attention that are worldwide superstars. So if he can feel in some way, small way, connected that the club care about him, which it might sound absolutely ridiculous, but it might drag him in, and then other kids as well at his age that are going to be seen as. As I said, fans rather than customers. It is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. Looking forward to the game against uh, Torino and the day around it, but also looking forward to the game against Napoli. We'll be doing more of that after the break. Don't go anywhere. It is the Anfield Wrap with Reds Bet. Uh, Reds Bet, a sponsor on the Anfield Wrap through the whole of 2018. We're really, really pleased to have them on board. A number of things to get through, a lot of sort of any other business. The first thing is that me and John have just been having a chat about the Everton Crank World Cup, um, <laughs> which, I mean, John, first and foremost, you've got to respect the organisation. Yeah, they're doing uh, qualifiers this year. Uh, so 64 qualifiers, which is uh, on a Friday in October. Um, so it's like, about, you know, it's months away. Uh, but they're building up to it now, so you can get your nominations in. And then that they will them down to eight and then they join the eight seeds uh the eight big hitters 
Um, and and yeah, and then and there's a, six, a battle of sixteen, a round of sixteen, if you like, in in November. Uh, so it's a, it's a way for all of us, but you know, something to look forward to just before Christmas. It really is something to look forward to just before Christmas, as the nights begin to short, and you can think to yourself, well, at least the Everton Crank World Cup is on the horizon. <laughs> uh, something to look forward to there. Other things to get through very very quickly. We want to mention the Reds Bet Fantasy League. Uh, the, there's the free entry into the into the Reds Bet Fantasy League. They're going to be doing them throughout the season. Uh, they're doing one that's all year long and then they're going to be doing them right the way through if you get in now that you can compete for a £100,000 prize pot uh, so you can compete for a £100,000 prize pot uh, you get one free entry per user uh, and then from there they become worth £22 a pop if you want to have a little go it's a £100,000 prize pot as it stands first place will get £20,350 20, second place £14,350 third place £9,650 uh, no, 9, sorry so all of that is in there all the information is on there the Reds Bet Fantasy League it is available if you want to get stuck into that uh, other things to point out as well I've just had a message from Steve Goldsmith our friend from Sunderland pointing out to me that tomorrow in the third flight of English football Sunderland will be accepting 31,000 supporters to watch Sunderland uh, checked on Reds Bet as well if you want to get behind them uh, they're 10 to 11 Sunderland to beat Charlton tomorrow 10 to 11 to do that on Saturday lunchtime I mean the idea also Accrington are playing tomorrow as well our friends at Accrington they're, they're, they're at home to Gillingham and that's a three o'clock kickoff and it's mad in many ways isn't it John that Sunderland and Accrington genuinely find themselves in the same league yeah I mean it's fact that Sunderland they're getting 31,000 and, and you know the Aki you know a, a, you know, we're lucky to kind of get, get kind of five figures, aren't they? It's a small town. They've done they've done amazing. Uh, John Coleman and, and the staff there of, of what they've done, and yeah, I, I'd fancy them to hold their own because you know I, I'd be surprised if Accrington don't stay up at the very yeah, least. Yeah, because because you know I'm I'm not sure. I'm sure they'll have had a busy summer. I haven't been following it too closely, but I know there's there's always like a lot of ins and outs, and that's how the club works. But brilliant for them, you know, the smallest budgets in 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 the four leagues and. Now they're in the, the third tier and amazing stuff. It is amazing stuff. Um, so yeah, and shout out to Sunderland. Um, you know, it, it's terrible what's gone on there. Hopefully the club will find a way to bounce back. Thank you very much to Steve for letting us know. Uh, and yeah, let's keep an eye on that one tomorrow lunchtime. Uh, Sunderland coming up against Charlton there. Uh, let's move on then. Just want to do the the the, the Liverpool specials. Uh, Mo Salah to score in each of the first three games. John seven to one. Yeah, um, so West Ham, Palace, and then Brighton. Brighton. Yeah, it's not bad, though, is it? It's not bad. I think he looks look, he look sharp. He looks raring to go. He looks determined. I mean, he scored after less than a minute against Man City. So, you know, if he does that, then, then you're laughing. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> Alison Becker to keep a clean sheet. I love the fact that we're calling him by the full name, by the way. It's really important to me. Uh, let's keep calling him uh, Let's keep calling him Alison Becker. Uh, Alison Becker to keep a clean sheet on his league debut against West Ham. That's five to four. Really good. I'll bite your hand off. Five. Five gibbos. Five gibbos out of five, emphatic stuff. Um, Alison Becker to save the first penalty Liverpool concede in the Premier League. So it's the idea that it doesn't have to happen in any specific game. Someone gets a pen against us and he saves it. What else are you giving me? I'm giving you four to one. Mm, not tempted by that, are you? Be honest. Not really. No, well, so you're saying he's got a... Yeah, mm, no, I don't think so. Time-sensitive ones, then Liverpool to win versus Napoli, both teams to score, five to two. Uh, yeah, decent. Yeah, everyone win, and you know there's normally goals in friendlies with the changes. So yeah, decent, decent bet there. Yeah, that is a decent bet, which therefore makes this flip side bet less of a decent bet. And I agree with John Becker to keep a clean sheet versus Napoli five to two. I think I think both teams to score is the one that I want. Yeah, I go with both teams to score. Although, what did he do if um, Gabara comes on and he concedes? 
Uh, I don't know. They haven't specified that, John, to be honest with you. Let's not poke holes at the system here. <laughs> Partnering with us for the entirety of 2018. I'm just, I'm just trying to look at the small prints on it, you know. You're just getting, getting value. looking at the detailed stuff there. Um, really pleased to be partnering with the Reds Best. They're going to be sponsoring our uh, transfer deadline day show, our Spectacular, which has become less spectacular due to the fact that it actually closes at five. Were you happy or sad to find out it closes at five? I was disappointed. I was, I was imagining the pint at 11. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good pint, that. But um, yeah, we'll have fun regardless. We will have fun regardless. We're starting about 12 o'clock, live streaming right the way through Transfer Deadlines. Day. Going to have our callers, people who contribute from other clubs. Really excited to be doing that, and we're doing that with Reds Bet. Listen, the point of Liverpool of our partnership with Reds Bet this year is not to convince people who don't gamble to gamble. That's not what we want at all. We want you to be gamble aware, and that is begambleaware.org. But if you are someone who likes to, 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 to uh, occasionally bet on football matches or even play fantasy leagues, you know where they are. They are redsbet.com, uh, and we would encourage you to do so if, if you are someone who is already interested in those sorts of things uh, thank you very much we'll get back over to the rest of the show it is the Anfield app sweltering and I mean sweltering in a Dublin hotel room uh, it's been that sort of summer and in fact it's a ridiculously early summer by the time this goes out certainly as a podcast and just as it closes as a radio show what you'll actually be listening to is the first 20, the 25 minutes just before the first game of the season the championship kicks off tonight uh, live on television I think it's Reading versus Derby face one another this evening and I think that it's not been taken into account this, Dan, really properly. I think that this season is absolutely clustered into life. What's what, what's striking me there is that you know we've been we've been as we've been travelling today, staying on top of Twitter, staying on top of the BBC, and a lot of the big news is people signing transfer extensions, as though a number of clubs now are just sort of going, how do we stay where we are then? Because continuing to grow is getting really really tricky. For instance, uh, Sarri's come out and said he's happy with William, less sure about Courtois. Pedro signed a new deal. He's also now signed a new deal at Manchester City. That clubs are just sort of having to go good lord this all happens now so so fast. It's been a crazy summer. It's been absolutely mad and when you think about, you know, half the Spurs players who probably only finished 17-18 a couple of weeks ago, not even that. <laughs> it's absolutely nuts and it's funny as fans because I mean, when, when we were getting towards the back end of the World Cup, I was kind of ready for me, my own little break from football. I was like, OK, give me my own little sabbatical so I'm ready to go again and, and a week off and I'm good to go. So, you know, I expect these players to be, but these football clubs, I think you're right in terms of, I think there's a lot of discussions going on in boardrooms where they're saying, let's just hold, let's just hold, because everyone, we'll roll a dice that everyone holds to. And if we can just repeat where we are last season, then that's no bad thing up until January. And I think someone like City... We talked about City on a couple of shows, Neil, and we, you know, on, on the subscription service, and we talked about it in Belfast last night about the concept that you know City don't probably are saying to themselves we don't need to go and get a hundred points again here. You know, we can we can probably have a, a ten point swing or a five point swing at either the start or the end of the season or both. So we've got five points to play with them, and and it's I think there's a lot of there's a lot of hedging of bets going on with with clubs at the minute in terms of you know you look at the league from from around. 8th and ninth to, to 17th, the, the the point difference over the years, the last couple of years, has been so minimal. It's been unra- it's been outrageous, you know, getting towards the last month of the season. There's, there's basically been a three-point swing for, for 10 teams. And, and that's that's where I think teams are just saying, well, let's just roll a dice that we're, we can be anywhere between 7th and, and 16th come come January. And then the elite teams, the top six, are saying, well, let's just roll a dice that we'll we'll be in there within 10 points, five points come January and we look at doing something there. There's often, you know, you, you, you look past, back through historical precedents, Steve. Burnley, for instance, started there, got through last night against Aberdeen, started their season a week a week ago even. 
for me, there's historical precedents right the way through the Premier League era where certain sides, whether they're newly promoted, whether they're sides who finished in the bottom 10 the previous season, can steal a march on both those around them, but also those above them in that first sort of six to eight games. And, you know, I'm remembering uh, Phil Brown's Hull being fourth after 10 games and then dropping like a stone, but they got the points on the board. And that's, I think that, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we're all having conversations after eight games, 10 games, where there's one side, maybe two, who've summered really well, not had to do the sort of overseas commitments the bigger sides have to do in terms of touring, who've bought relatively well, who have suddenly have gone a two points a game. And it, they won't finish the season at two points a game but this this season to me feels like it could well be one where a few extreme circumstances happen early on yeah there's going to be there's always a surprise package from somewhere um, as you said be it from not having to do international tours not having m- the majority of a squad at a World Cup where they've all been in from day one uh, the likes of Burnley um, Wolves especially Wolves like the business they've done is absolutely crazy you'd be looking at Wolves or Wolves could be looking at challenging the top eight not top six, but top eight, because of the business they've done where they brought in quality that isn't going to, they're not scrambling around like Cardiff or who was the other, Fulham. Fulham have done good business as well. They could be the side that gets 20 points from the Roping in 10 games. And that's half the, that's half the total that they're targeting for the, to stay in the Premier League. Um, it's very, very interesting what's going to happen. It has kind of snuck up, in a way, the season has snuck up out of nowhere. As you said, it starts tonight, really. Wolves, Wolves is fascinating, John. I mean, we were just having a, we, we have had a laugh repeatedly about poor Everton on Wolves. You know what I mean? That Everton have got to go to Wolves first game of the season, the half five kickoff on that Saturday night, and it really does feel. You know, we, we like to laugh at Everton at times on the Anfield rap, but this one really just does feel like a bit harsh. Like you've they've been done by the fixture computer lottery here because I wouldn't want to go to Wolves at half five on that first game. No, it's a thankless task. It was a thankless task already. Then they moved it to the, the atmosphere that's, that's normally the kind of the liveliest. They're looking forward to it. I mean, it's it's how quickly I guess the new players can gel and things like that, and it, and adapt the other players adapt to the Premier League. So so kind of wait and see them. them. But look, we've got an interesting one first up as well. West Ham have done a lot of business. Um, got a lot of players in. Um, few with good reputations. Few with like experience in the league and. I think that one could go either way. You know, they they could look a bit of a, a bit of a mess if they try and blood too many you know new players and they don't really know each other, or or they could click quite quickly and and they could they could they could look a good side. So I think I mean our ones are like a little bit of a not a banana skin necessarily, but a, but a thankless one as well because if we were expected to beat West Ham, you, you won't get any sorts of applause for doing so. But but they could be tricky as well, and they've got a decent record at Anfield. They've got a decent record at Anfield. I think that there's it's. The sporting element is, is is what always catches me with this, Dan. We talk a lot about the transfers in the summer. We talk about the friendlies, we talk about the preparation. We talk about fan parks, and rightly so. But suddenly, it like crashes in. It crashes in day one, the sporting element. And that is when, you know, it is easier, frankly, to, to get the best possible pre-season if you're Huddersfield. It's easier to get the pre-season of your dreams if you're David Wagner than if you're Jurgen Klopp. And there's loads of reasons why we should be proud of that fact. There's loads of reasons why we should want Liverpool to do worldwide tours to an unbelievable number of supporters. But I bet you Jurgen's had a few text messages with David where he's like, I wish our lads could be on the camp like you put your lads on. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought, I thought it was interesting that you know Klopp's described this week in France as his week. It's very much his week, you know. And all the reports coming out are of triple sessions in un- yeah. unforgiven heat. Yeah, and, the, and there's no media access or anything like that just leave us alone because this is my week and this is what I need to get into them now and I think the good thing about a manager like Klopp is that he accepts that kind of sacrifice where he, he knows how, how much of a, a behemoth Liverpool football club is that he, he says okay you know I accept the fact that we need to go to Asia to Australia to America 
because no, no more so for the fact that it's amazing to see all these people come out and it gives the players a boost and it reminds the new players who they've signed for in many ways. But also that, you know, he, he can then get to say, well, the compromise is give me this week. Whereas you, you look at someone like Mourinho and that that's a that's a trigger for, for confrontation in, in many ways to other managers where they want it all on their terms. And I think the juggling of, of these enterprises now and... It takes it takes an open mind. It takes a broad approach for a manager to to realise, you know, just the type of diversity that, that occurs in his day to day job and something like this. There has to be a lot of give and take, and we talked about in the show about what Liverpool are getting right. I think it's another another uh, element of that. I think it's another body of evidence of just what Liverpool are getting right, in that they can say, well, you know, we can go to these tours and we can do everything on the commercial side, but we will be ready for West Ham in the first game of the season. And I think where we're talking about team stealing a match, I think that's where Liverpool are looking at the minute. I think I think they're thinking if we break twenty five by the end of October, then there's every chance Man City have lined up with, you know, a team full of kids in the first two games and we can be ahead of them. And and I think what you see from that momentum is is in to use an example of City, situations where Raheem Sterling scores in the ninety seventh minute against Bournemouth last season. And everyone just feels like they've won the league from that, uh, and, and 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 it's right because it's just an element of, well, this has this has a formality about it, and and when we've spoke to other other team supporters on on our shows, you know, on the subscription service this week, every one of those supporters are saying you guys are going to be up there, you know, as if they're convincing us in some way, mm. you know, you know, John talks about earlier about talking to City last season, they're saying, oh, you know, we need another forward. And, you know, there's there's a lot of our fans are saying, you know, if we could have just got Fakir over the line, well, there's a lot of other fans now telling us that we are going to be there and we should expect to be there. And it's that positive reinforcement that I think we all need to get behind. Excellent stuff. It is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. These are new order. This is regret. Welcome back. It is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. We're going to be looking ahead to Liverpool's game against Napoli in a second or two. Carlo Ancelotti, now Napoli manager, on top of everything else that's gone on there over the last few seasons. Just want to give a shout out to a group show uh, that brings together for the first time new Brighton pictures from internationally renowned British photographers, Martin Parr, Ken Grant and Tom Wood. It's at the Sailing School, Marine Point in New Brighton. Uh, it's part of Liverpool Independence Biennial. It runs from the 14th of July to the 25th of August. We're often, I think, maligned on the Anfield Wrap for talking down the whittle, but it's excellent to see that sort of stuff going on in New Brighton. And John, we love a bit of New Brighton, if we're quite honest with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little curious now. I describe myself as really, yeah, 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 yeah. I've been spending a lot of time there. Some of it in secret. Um, I mean, they still speak to you like you're thick, but you know, maybe I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can go to New Brighton, see the art galleries, go get an ice cream, move yourself along. You can, you know, you can go to the arcades. There's the bowl and there's the Laser Quest. It does. It does a lot of fun to be had, and they've got a really good Morrison's. I know other supermarkets are available, but Morrison's is my favourite. It is indeed. Take a stroll down Market Street, live a little, <laughs> go from there, but do catch the photographs uh, that are going on. This Napoli side, Dan, that are coming, I mean, it's mad the season they're off the back of. They broke 90 points last season in Italy. Yes, they've lost the manager, and yes, they've lost Jorginho in the meantime, but it's... It's not a straight... But firstly, I mean, no pre-season game should be straightforward. But even for them, I think that, you know, there's been lots of issues with Liverpool supporters going over to Naples in the past. But as a football team, you know, I, what I saw of them last season, there was a real affinity to me. They reminded me a lot of 13-14 Liverpool, where it was it was swarming all over sides and it was playing at a pace that they couldn't cope with. And then having guile through Mertens that no one could cope with. It, it's a really impressive season that they've had. This will not be an easy game for the Reds. No, and, and any team managed by Carlo Ancelotti, you know what you're going to get. So you're going to get, you know, the utmost organisation and, and tactical uh, 
um, strictness, if you like. But yeah, I, I completely agree. I think last season they were very much the uh, the neutrals team of choice, wasn't they? Very much like Liverpool were in 13, 14. There was, there was an element of out of nowhere with them and, and then all of a sudden, you know, you were really getting behind them. I, I really enjoyed the game um, to the back end of last season where they beat Juventus 1-0. It's, it's a great game of football and it's just one of those lovely Sunday afternoons you enjoy watching <laughs> watching a, a game that's not in your league and you get completely enthralled by. So, for me, you know, I've mentioned Ancelotti, they're a Serie A side, the European side. They're not going to be coming here with any kind of unprofessionalism and, and it'll be... It will be a marker for me in terms of where Liverpool are at, both physically and, and you know, mentally in terms of going into the new season. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Really can't wait to see Alisson. Um, Alisson's the, probably the big one, Steve, in terms of the attractions. I think everyone will want to see him and we will want to see him maybe even for the full 90 minutes. It'll be intriguing to see how long he gets uh, in this one. He's... He's grabbed everyone's attention. He's now playing guitar, knocking around the place. I mean, I'm, I'm mostly against lads turning up to any event with an acoustic guitar. Uh, and I think someone's going to have to have a word at some point. I certainly wouldn't want a room with him if he's going to whack an acoustic guitar out here and there at will. If he wants that sort of as stuff. As long as he stays away from Miles Kane, we're all all right. Oh, honestly, honestly, if he wants that sort of thing, we'd sign Leighton Baines. He needs to pack that in straight away. Uh, if, 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 he wants to, if he wants to be serious, he needs to get himself some turntables and maybe a sequencer. Anyway, he's he, Stevie. He's got himself in this in this situation now where he's basically Liverpool's legendary goalkeeper before he's done anything. There is a bit of pressure on him. It's only a pre-season friendly tomorrow, but you know Liverpool supporters will want to see him. Yeah, massively. I think it's the reaction to the save in training the other day was not like our fans to blow up something. <laughs> We're normally so level-headed. Yeah, aren't we? just the, the internet reaction was just was absolutely wild for his. Um, essentially a save that you expect a goalkeeper to be making David De Gea makes down three or four times a training session there's no issues um, but it is going to be we have a six foot four goalkeeper in goal we have a keeper for the first time in 15 years or 12 years since we signed Pepe Reina where we're excited to watch a goalkeeper now it's not going to be what's this fella going to do next is he going to do is he going to drop it is he going to throw it to the feet of a number nine in the Champions League final that's the level we're at now. Um, the excitement levels are through the roof for the first time, as I said, in 12 years. It's, John, the excitement levels are through the roof with him and, and it's part of the demeanour that he's got, he has come in with, you know, it's part of the fact that you, you feel as though he is a character, but it's also simply the size of him. As basic as that is, I am looking forward to tomorrow to looking at the size of him in a really, really sort of ridiculously alpha male sense. I want him to be as big as a house, as tall <laughs> as a ship. I want him to absolutely look ridiculous from minute one. It's... It's the reassurance that, he, that he's he's given everyone at the moment, isn't it? And that's not just the fans, but presumably his teammates as well, because you know it it can't be easy for them to to play in front of a goalkeeper that they're not sure about, or they're not sure what he's gonna, what he's going to do. And you know, if we're if we're having doubts about keepers and we're we're having conversations, that the players will be doing it as well. You know, don't want to support the, the teammates and. You know, I'm sure that I'm sure a lot of them like Carrius and Miguelay or, or whoever you want to refer to in this, but you know that they still want to win things and they're still professional players. And and I'm sure you know if you were to ask them individually, privately, kind of you know what what, you, what, you, what do you think Liverpool need to do earlier in the summer? I'm sure a lot of them would 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 have said a keeper, and they've gone out and got one. It's a world record phase. You know, everyone who I've spoken to um, for the Anfield Rap who's who's seen him just can't speak highly enough of him. You know, you'd ask him, you're almost trying to, you know, say, well, there must be something wrong with him. And they're like, nah, not really. You know, um, he's, he's, he's come in with a, with a really high 
pedigree, but also at the, at the right time, isn't it? It was, it was, it was. You know, the, the experiments on on the, the two lads that we had, had, had failed, and you know we we couldn't go in with a, with another fellow psychologically as much as anything else. And, and for this guy to come in for his presence, the way he is, the way he conducts himself, the brilliant saves in chain, and you know it's just it's just giving everyone the, the, the boost and, and and just shows that. You know, the lads talking about it before, Liverpool meaning business, Liverpool thinking like a big club. If big clubs have got a problem, then they just go out and spend the money to solve it, and that's what we've done. Um, there's a flip side to this friendly, Dan, which is the the news of, of, of who's not going to be part of it. Ings and Grewich, you get the impression Ings and Grewich won't be part of it because there's talk about other clubs and other teams getting involved. On the other hand, Matip and Lallana not being part of it. It's uh, it's a reminder of your concerns around both footballers. I don't think I think you can have a chat about whether or not Matip is genuinely impressed at centre half for Liverpool, but it's fair to say he's done quite well. Um, Lalana had the excellent, especially first half of the season in sixteen seventeen. We know that there's a really good player there. The issue with both these lads is getting them on the pitch, and you know to go back to where we started this show, talking about opportunities and transfers. If you're the manager, there must be something sort of niggling away in the back of your mind here that these two lads, so you probably, when you sat down with your coaches in May and had a chat about everybody, you probably said, there's a bit of a question mark next to them. And here's this question mark weekend before the first game of the season. Yeah, and if, if we're all being totally honest, there's, there's that question mark around them, the likes of Sturridge as well, which we're all aware of. So, you know, if something happens there, we wouldn't be entirely, you know, surprised. But I think a lot of it, you know, when, when we talk about the keeper, um, we've said that, Klopp has been in many ways ruthless this pre-season where he said I haven't got time anymore to to let this be, be an experiment or something that might sort itself out I have to go and sort it I think he's, he's kind of going to have that have to have that chat to himself and his staff about the likes of, of Matip and Milana at some point because, and even Lovren to a certain extent yeah, the second half of the season yeah. his, his attendance was phenomenal yeah he, lo- he loves a knock and, and that's the thing and, and I think with Matip it's, it's less Important, if you like, because we've we've essentially got five centre halves. The club, I think, can all do a job. So if Matip keeps getting injured, then it's easy for Klopp to say, "All right, then we'll have a chat next season." But you, at the current level of things, you're bottom of the queue. Lalan is a different kettle of fish for me because he is he is a special footballer. I think he's he's a player I really enjoy watching. I think he's the type of player who, when a new signing comes into the club, they're aware of who Adam Lalana is, but they watch him in training and go, oh "My God, he's a good footballer." You know, he's that type of player for me. And, and he's pre season well, but every game I've seen well and he's and he and he is he, he's very he's very in many ways, he's very niche in terms of what he brings. So you kind of if you plan on a season with having Adam Lalana in and around it, you kind of have to factor that in, if you know what I mean. You know, there's there's, there's Adam Lalana games of football that you will yeah. you will even West Ham at home, you could argue is an Adam Lalana game of football where you want him on the pitch. To not have him then kind of throws the baby out with the bathwater in many senses and then you have to kind of rip it up and start again, which you won't want. Does, does the Pep Guardiola line stay about what you think, what you know and what you hope uh, in football? And I think one of the issues, one of you know, we're all really positive about this season and this show should end with us all sounding really positive. But before then, one of one of my mild concerns going into it is, listen, I think that this is a Liverpool side that is capable, is capable of breaking 90 points. But within that, there's we're contingent on three, four, five hopes not thinks, not knows, hopes. Lalana's fitness, Matip's fitness, Sturridge's fitness, as Dan's mentioned. You know, these are things that we hope will come good for us. And what John said earlier, and I agree with him, you don't need 23 world-class players, but maybe you do th- You do need 22 to 23 think and knows, and maybe you don't need to be carrying four or five hopes. Yeah, you have to fully agree with it. Um, Lalana, 
it's a, it's disappointing, but the hope is that it is a knock. Although, and it's a precaution that he's precaution. not caught. But it was this day last year or this weekend last year where he got a knock and was out for six months. The exact same weekend. Yeah. It, this was the big news coming over on the Friday that he wasn't going to be involved because he got picked up a toy strain and then six months later before we see him again. So we need to get, and as you said, he had a great first half of the season, 16, 17. That's two years ago. What's your body of work in the past two years that's going to guarantee you being one of the first choice players in the squad? Yes, you're a senior pro. Yes, you may have exemplary uh, attitude towards players coming in. And they, as Dan said, when they look at him and train and they go, wow, but he's not training enough. He hasn't trained enough in the past two years to demand the respect that possibly he is getting in the squad at the moment. It's the thing where if you pick up a knock, you're dropping down the pecking order constantly. Like if it is a case that he's out for another six months, yeah, and we're Oxide Chamberlain's out for another six months, what do, what use is that to Liverpool Football Club? And that it, it sounds ruthless, and it is ruthless because we have to be ruthless if you want to win a league. It's, you know, as I say, no one's doubting his professionalism, John Wooden, for a second. No one's doubting his quality, Wooden, for a second. And, and, you know, to a certain extent, you can, well, not to a certain extent, certainly on his professionalism, you can have the same conversation around Matip. But we we just could do without, you know, you get the impression the manager could do without early doubts. That, you know, and that's not to expect everyone to be fit right the way through the season. But as Steve says, we know we've lost Oxlade-Chamberlain now until November. We know how that happens. That's the that's the worry with with the pre-season. That's the worry with some of these lads. That's why maybe, just maybe, Liverpool might think that there might be an opportunity to go back into the market. Yeah, I mean, look, they could be really relaxed about this Lallana thing. It might just be, you know, look, I felt something and they said, oh, just don't bother. But Take no chances. Yeah, yeah. So they might be feeling relaxed about it, although Steve's right to say, you know, he has... Recent history suggested that he takes longer to get over things than than originally hoped. But I don't know. Maybe it is a reminder that of the fragility of of a few of them, and you know, we could we could do with something from Lalana this year. And you know, I, was, I, I wrote something for Paddy Power about Lalana. Funny enough, I think it was me who cursed it yesterday about you know about him, you know him him generally and and his and his fitness and. How how much can you rely on him? And and you know, it's, look, his, his injury record up till last season, you know, I thought was, was wasn't too bad. I thought it was a bit overplayed. I had a little look, and he's playing 30, 30 league games a season, so missing missing eight, it's it's not too bad. But last season, we could only run in the pitch, I think, twelve or thirteen times in any comps, and you know, it's just as you, you say, it just becomes a hope. Then doesn't it? It's like, well, hopefully we can get something from him, and. And suddenly, you know, we're thinking we're well stocked in midfield, and you're looking around and going, well, well, you know. And then you does Curtis Jones become one of your hopes then, or, or you know how exactly, much can you yeah, can you kind of hang or hang or hold on him? So it is a little bit of concern, but as I say, they might be really relaxed about the Lana situation. So let's let's hope it's that. Last word, dead positive, John. How much are you looking forward to seeing Naby Keita? Yeah, I can't wait. I think we've held him back last couple of games. We've hidden him away, but I think he's going to be unleashed in, in Ireland tomorrow. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see him again. I think he's going to be absolutely mustered this season. It's going to be the business of the Aviva tomorrow. We can't wait to get there to see Liverpool against Napoli. Should be a fantastic game and a great occasion as well. So many supporters come out and younger supporters having a ball. Then there's Torino on Tuesday with the Fan Park Day. That should be fantastic as well. But all eyes are getting closer and closer. Liverpool versus West Ham United. It's not long away now. The big kickoff begins the Reds they are looking the best of their rivals they've summoned the best whether or not that'll translate we'll wait and see Sports Social Podcast Network This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV a feeling this empowering is invite only fortunately you're invited experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs 
and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.